Welcome to the I'm Not a Barista podcast. We're here to talk about all things coffee, from industry careers, brewing tips, community support, and more, with some really incredible people who love coffee as much as you do. We hope their stories inspire you, because humanity runs on coffee, and together we can empower all the people behind every cup. And welcome to Amnabarista podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. So how's it going today? Are, are you working today? Yeah, I'm working. Yeah. So basically for me, um, because I run my own place, so you kind of work like around the clock every day. But yeah, so I guess after the competition, it's about catching up before the works and et cetera. So where I am now is actually at the Roastery. And it's also where we do our e-commerce, tasting our coffees and et cetera. Could you tell us more about yourself, who you are, where you're from, and how you started your coffee journey? All right. Uh, so, yeah, um, I'm Alicia. You can call me just by Ellie. Um, I'm from Singapore. I run a place called Homeground Coffee Roasters. Um, we are turning five years old this November. So, basically, we started off the company with the intention of, or rather with the vision of have, getting more people to make coffee at home. So, hence the name Homeground. So that's how we actually curate our coffee selections as well as how we do our cafe setup and etc. And I have lucky enough to come in third place this year for the World Brewers Cup Championship in Melbourne. I it's actually my second time at the Wolves. My first time was in Boston and it's my fourth national. So how I actually started this whole coffee journey was just simply because like I was looking for something that I wanted to do as my career. Um, I'm, so, I'm someone who gets bored very easily. I don't like to play games because I always feel that it kind of get, after a while, you, you, you're doing the same thing. Maybe just with slight difficulties, different difficulties. But for coffee, it's always very different every day. Um, I like the challenge that I get when I make coffee, which is why I enjoy doing coffee and how I got myself into coffee. All right. Can you tell us how many years have you been in the coffee world? Eight years. So I started off as a part-time um, with the intention of wanting to start up my own place eventually. Um, yeah. And then eventually move on to a full-time. After doing full-times for like about two years, that's when I started off uh, home ground. So initially it was just based online and we're just doing pop-ups at different cafes and different coffee festivals. And then eventually we have our own space. So, yeah. What was your first job? Were you a barista in the beginning or you were? Uh, yes, I was training to be a barista. How was it like? Um, I guess I was very lucky because I think that at that time, it was during the time of uh, Matt Perger, the time of the introduction of EK43. Um, and you get introduced to many different fancy machines, fancy equipments, and the introduction of weighing skills. Um, well, if you were to go, even if you were to start earlier, there's no such thing as weighing skills. When you do espresso, you look at the color of the espresso, from blonding, the tiger stripes, and etc. to the use of weighing skills. And then like for brewing, it was just all by like, by feeling. So yeah, I would consider myself lucky because with all these introduction of different equipments, it actually helps 
to improve consistency and it helps when it comes to picking up a new skill because it's easy to replicate. So we'll keep you in the golf industry after eight years. <laughs> um, I think at different stage of my career, I'm really looking forward to different things. And the initial phase, of course, is about pursuing for a very good cup of coffee. And then eventually it becomes like, how are you able to consistently produce good cup of coffee? And it then later turns into being able to share this coffee with many people, um, like your customers. That was the drive. And then recently, it was a bit different. It now becomes more drive me towards, um, I'm more driven by getting more people to want to invest in coffee or rather invest themselves as a barista. So why is barista a career for many people? And it's a career that has career progression. So that's my drive and my motivation now or what I want to do now. Yeah, because we are seeing, or rather in Singapore, I'm seeing that like there are a lot of people who are leaving the industry. Uh, there are many people who no longer see um, a progression or they feel that this is not something that they can do for a long time. And you even get comments like, um, this is not a real job. Well, which I definitely don't think that that is true. So yeah, that's what I'm looking forward to do and why I'm still in this industry because I believe it's a, it's a job that requires both EQ and IQ and a lot of study on the craft as well. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. Um, I have some friends that are competing this week for a championship and uh, they're training, practice all the time, spend a lot of time and energy on this. But uh, for, for people outside the coffee industry, I guess it's hard to understand. It's a cup of coffee, right? But it's so complicated about it. And when you're <laughs> saying that <laughs> there, there's um, uh, not much progression there left in the barista profession, like if, for example, someone wants to leave the coffee industry, they work as a barista, they don't see so much room for them to grow and to develop. Mm. How would you persuade them to stay? Or would you even try to persuade them? Definitely, I'm going to try. <laughs> Yeah, definitely I will still give it a shot. But I guess it's also first to understand what makes them want to leave. Because I've come across so many baristas that I've met at the beginning of my career who are so passionate, but they now all want to leave. I think very often it's because they don't see the result and they don't see the return, whether it's it, um, monetary-wise or like appreciation from their company and etc. And after being let down for so long and the long physical hours and etc., coming from all different directions, it kind of, like you said, like everyone or the environment and everything, it's sending them a message that like, no, this is not a career for a long time. And they feel that it's not a sum of money that they can survive with if let's say they want to start a family. Particularly in Singapore, it's a pretty expensive city to stay in or to live. It, to live. So yeah, these are all the reasons, which is why understanding all these helps me as a business owner to grow my company and know what are the things that we need to work on. Um, how do we ensure it's not just about progressing as a barista, like maybe you move on to different departments or things like that. I guess it's also creating a very positive working culture, which I've never thought of, which I've never put much thoughts into until very recent years, because I always thought that, ah, if you enjoy something, you do something every day that's good enough. But of course, that's not going to be sufficient. 
you have to deal with very real problems like people are not performing at work and someone has to cover cover them uh, no I won't say cover them up um, to work on their behalf and of course low paying jobs um, Brister is not valued as a skilled worker things like that but there are so many but at the same time many business owners require them to know many different things they need to know they need to have very good customer service they need to know how to interact with customers they need to know how to make coffee they need to know the different processing method they need to know the different varietals they need to know how to do a good sales good, make a good sales speech there's so many things they need to know but their skills are very often undervalued so what we are doing now at home ground is not just also about culture and we have we are working on a system whereby how can we do gradual pay increment and attracting the right people to work with us so yeah, I, I don't ever dream of changing the entire F&B industry, but I guess what I can do within my control is to do what I can do with home ground. And uh, I, I can really believe that mo- most uh, coffee shop owners, business owners, they want their employees to be the best, but they don't want to yes. pay the most. <laughs> <laughs> when was the first time you competed as a barista? Yeah. I think it was in 2017, 2017. Yeah, it was my first Brewers Cup. Well, because it's your first competition, clearly you do not know anything, despite reading the rules and regulation. I went in like a note, just trying to go with the flow. So yeah, I really didn't put too much thoughts into it. To me, it was just like, ah, there's a competition for coffee. So since I enjoy brewing so much, I just want to see how would I do and how would I, where would I stand compared to the rest. So it's just like, really it's just for fun. Yeah. And then eventually after my first experience, I know that I want to win the competition because I want to do well, of course. So that it's what encouraged me. And with all the experience that I have, I want to carry forward to my second competition and make it even better. So Yes. And if we were to talk about my second nationals, um, I got disqualified because okay, so for anyone who hasn't participated in Brewers Cup, there's always two com two sections. One is your open service, which is the one that people get to see your ten minutes of presentation and you get to use any different any coffee that you like. And the second one, it's uh, what we call the compulsory service, where you'll be given a mystery bean and you have to brew it within a given time and etc. So of course. To ensure that the judges have sufficient coffee to judge and assess, there's a minimum amount. So I actually underpour for my compulsory service. So I was given a five ounce cup, which is about 150 ml, and the required amount was 120 ml. So to hit 120 ml, you really have to pour the coffee to the brim. But I was looking at the runners. I was afraid that they might spill the coffee and it's very hard for them to carry. So without thinking so much into the rules and regulation, actually underpour my coffee. Then the moment when I walked out, I was like, shit, I think I screwed up. <laughs> like I really screwed up. So I went home, I started crying and everything. And the next day was my open service. And I was like, I don't really want to go for my open service because I was very sure that I got disqualified. And then, but then my roaster, he actually encouraged me. He said, you should still do it because it's still two different sessions and they test on two different skills. Go for it. Do your best. Whatever that you can do and the results that you get back and the feedback 
most importantly that you get from your judges would benefit you in your next competition. You shouldn't just give up. So I took his advice. I did it. I went for it. And on my third national, I managed to nail the competition and came in first. So, yeah. <laughs> wow. What a story. <laughs> uh, well, I, I want to ask you this question um, because you mentioned that um, uh, the importance of uh, being a barista and not giving up. And also uh, the barista, they need more motivation, right? Because sometimes they don't see what is there for them if they continue, if they compete, or even they just want to work more. So what happened mm. after your first championship, uh, become the champion and then what changed in your life? Did you get more salary or you get some sponsorship? Mm. I guess this is something other baristas want to see, right? If I become the champion, <laughs> oh, I got to have a new house. I got to have a new car. <laughs> what, what was there for you? Well, I really wish that like with a championship, it brings me a new car, a new house. Unfortunately, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess after doing the first national, you, I mean like you're coming as a champ, um, winning the competition. Um, the next focus was always be the competition at Wolves. How do you prepare for Wolves? And it's the same, it's, the, it's a very similar feeling like when I did my first national, like when I go to Wolves, I'm a complete noob. I do not know anybody. I do not know what's exactly going on. What is the difference? And because in Singapore, it was always um, very, uh, we have a very stable environment. Like, we mean, um, I'm referring to the weather. So like day and night, more or less is the same. It's just whether does it rain or it, it doesn't. But when we were in Boston, it's a complete opposite. Like the humidity in the day and night is different. And that's when I realized that like, coffee reacts very differently based on the environment as well. And we were not prepared enough for that because we did not consider that as one of the variable. So with that in mind, you know, like I've been holding it for so long because uh, there's so much more that I want to do as a barista to make a good cup of coffee under any given condition. That's when I decided to go for my fourth nationals. And I wanted to apply whatever challenge that I face and with my solution that I came up with um, to my next world, which is then Melbourne. So, yeah, I honestly, in terms of sponsorship or what, so yes, I agree. You actually get, you do get sponsorships. Um, my drippers, my wing scale, um, a couple of things are all sponsored. Even but for no I, big thing, right? They're not going to change your life, like give you a house or buy your car. It's just small items. Yeah. <laughs> So it, it gives the brands exposure, of course. Um, but for me, all the sponsorships that I get, I see it more of like a, a gift from a friend who believes and wants you to do well. And for, for people who doesn't even ask for anything in return, to be honest, because these are the brands that I've been working with even way before COVID or way before my third nationals. So it has always been there because... Many of the people that I work with, they started off from zero as well. Small company, mm -hmm. no support. Sometimes it's just themselves. Yeah. But we choose to believe in each other because we share the same vision of wanting to make better coffee. So for me, instead of seeing it as a sponsorship, I see it more as like a team effort, you know? Although I'm just standing there alone, but I feel like there's a lot of people behind me. So when the announcement of like, when I got into top six this year in Wolves, so many of them cried. <laughs> I mean, including myself. 
right? It was the kind of emotion that I feel that we have been holding back for a long time, particularly in between there was also COVID. So a lot of competitions and events are put on hold and you don't even get to meet them very often. Um, but if there's anything that what um, championship does bring you, I also think it gets, well, when you go to the world, you get to meet many different people at the backstage. Um, most, ev- almost everyone is very friendly and people get, they are people who are already the national champions and they love to talk coffee about coffee as much as you do. And they have like many different interesting ideas and most people are very willing to share. So I guess for me, that was a very good takeaway, whether is it in Boston or in Melbourne. Thanks for sharing. I want to share my secret too, because I'm drinking <laughs> coffee uh, done brewed with your recipe. <laughs> Your your uh, this year's um uh, what do you call it? Do you have a name for that? Like sixty, seventy, fifty, sixty? No. So actually, um, like to be very honest, like that recipe, I my recipe actually changed from nationals, and even for worlds, my first round and my finals, my recipe is different. So like um like I mentioned earlier on, so I actually brew coffee as according to the humidity. So I actually have a hydrometer with me, uh, when I make my coffee. And even when I grind my coffee. So that actually helped me to make better decisions. Wow. Yeah. So is this is something every barista should expect in their career? <laughs> uh, yes, but that's what makes it exciting also, right? Well, I mean, this is one of the biggest reasons why I like to be a barista. Because nothing is constant. But at the same time, you challenge yourself to make a consistently good cup every time. Wow. So what do you think barista, um, let's say this profession... What kind of personality will shine working as a barista? Mm, I think there isn't one personality. There's multiple. So if I were to talk about the people that works at home ground, uh, we have got those supermodels who loves to be at the bar, like as if it's their runway, and they like to share. Um, they really shine through the way they carry themselves and how they talk about it. And sometimes they like to relate um, how, or rather how they describe coffee. It's very much close to like fashion or day-to-day terms where people understand it's not about like, oh, this is a natural process. Um, it goes through 72 hours. That's why the coffee is tasting like that. So that's one type. There's another kind that who is the very geeky type when it's the kind that when I talk about, oh, this coffee goes through this and this is why you get this flavor. Imagine, close your eyes and you will experience this kind of experience. <laughs> and there are also another type who are very shy, who just like to serve you the coffee, look you in the look into your eyes and say, just enjoy this cup of coffee. Don't think so much. The kind so there are so many different types. And I guess this is how we actually reach out to many different types of people as well. Um and when we hire somebody uh, and uh, what I deem to be a good barista, good customer service is definitely a must. Uh, but good customer service not necessarily has to be someone who is like super outgoing or like very talkative. It can be someone who knows how to carry, the, carry themselves well and they know themselves very well. They have very good self-awareness as to how they would like to communicate and convey their message to someone else, whether is it in a very bombastic way, a very colorful way, or in a very gentle and elegant way. And I like that it's so diverse. Yeah, just like coffee, it's very diverse. All right, back to your what you were saying earlier, when you were a coffee shop owner, you have 
much like many requirements for you baristas and then when you talk about okay uh, when you require your team uh, you need someone who is good at communication all going and i was like most most baristas they're young right they're 18 20 21 22 i think in the earlier age people are not really experienced in those fields like how to communicate with each uh, with, with others how to describe something um but how how do you pick those guys? It, it seems it's going to be a difficult job to find the right type of person to work for you as a barista, right? I guess um, one first thing first, I think your or the team that you already have in-house, it's very important because how the culture and the working environment is like will definitely influence the other. Um, even if someone is very shy initially, it takes a while for them to warm up. And... As far as I see, it works. So that's why we do, when it comes to interview, uh, the first, one of the questions, my favorite question I always ask is, can you please share with me one of your most memorable customer service experience that you have encountered? So based on that, usually the answers, I could really tell if they are someone who actually cares about customer service or they just want to be a barista who doesn't talk. Unfortunately for home ground, because what we wanted, our vision is to get more people to make coffee at home and to make it very approachable. We do not want to come across as coffee snobs. That's why communication skills is um, essential. So yeah, from that question, I would be able to tell whether are they, do they even, do they even care about customer service or they don't? Yeah. All right. So we're interviewing employees. But new baristas, what will be the red flag if you see someone? Yeah. I don't think as far, I think as an employee, maybe there's many different perspectives or many ways to pick up a red flag. But as a barista, honestly, if I were to go into a, a place or a cafe or a restaurant who serves coffee, the only red flag that I will pick up if it's only if like the the barista is rude. Yeah, or things, or rather, instead of looking for red flags, I think I'll look more for like what they are good in. Say, for example, are they a very tidy person? Do they have very good workflow? And um, yeah, and how they choose to communicate with people. I think these are all the things that I will pick up rather than the red flag. A red flag is probably really if they are like being very rude or like, yeah otherwise not so much yeah all right can we play a game i'm just curious if i go into your shop say i'm looking for a job i need some money but i've never been a barista okay oh uh, well i guess it depends on like if you need money why do you want to work as a barista but not as a bartender why not as a chef but why a barista and it depending it depends on what your answer is and i'll just take it from there so if you tell me that like, I'm just clueless, I just want to try. And my next question I'll ask, like, do you enjoy coffee? And if you do, can you share with me, if let's say now you are in Singapore and you want to share, you, you have a friend coming from overseas. Can you share with me two cafes or two coffee places that you want to bring them there and why? So from there, I will try to understand more uh, and how you are like as a person. And how much do you care? Or you're just telling me that I'm very passionate about coffee, but I don't do anything about it. I don't even go to coffee shops. I don't watch any videos. I don't really drink coffee as well, but I'm passionate. So yeah. Oh yeah. If you talk about red flag, if someone tells me they are passionate, usually 
I see it as a red flag most of the time during interviews because as far as because I also do the HR for home ground as far as I see <laughs> usually people who tell me they are very passionate out of 20 people most of them they cannot tell me why or like what do they do they just tell me that they are passionate but people who are truly passionate and genuine about it they you you don't they won't say that they are passionate you'd be very surprised it's true things that they say and they do from day to day shows that they are passionate about coffee or what they actually like yeah so do you guys so hire just, anyone without any experience in coffee like they don't yes. even know much about coffee Yeah, you'll be surprised. We hire so many home brewers. Yeah. What, what people, all, like <laughs> never brew coffee just, at home. Yeah, um, yeah, we do as well. People so why who are just them? <laughs> um, like when they are doing like during their school holidays and they want to you no know, do a part-time. Yeah, because I believe even a part-time, I'm I'm more than willing to invest in them because they will be the best ambassador for you when they leave the company and go back to school or like a best ambassador for coffee. Because it's always easy to receive information from a friend or from a family member rather than from a stranger that you meet at a cafe. So even if they don't drink coffee and they don't have any experience, to me, it's the attitude that matters and how they would do their day-to-day tasks and how can we spend time with them and introduce them more coffees. So to me, um, sharing and spreading the message of good coffee is not just to customers, but also to our employees. Awesome. I really like how you see everything. That, I really like <laughs> the way you see, you know, all these things you do. It seems you're multitasking a lot of things, right? You compete, you, you run your company, You're due to interview <laughs> new employees. Tell, tell us what more do you do daily? Well, besides doing shifts, um, running, um, doing competitions and et cetera, I also do sales. So because we are a really small company, so we really have to multitask. But I also learned the, learned the hard way that like at some point you have to delegate, not because you don't want to. It's just that the lack of a good candidate. So which is what like home ground, it's, working on right now looking for a suitable candidate to hand over like tasks yeah because currently i'm also doing all the sales and i'm also doing training particularly for the brewing side and i have my uh my other partner who's also the roaster he's doing the espresso training things like that and of course some day-to-day yeah i think more or less that's about it yeah and then of course cracking for ideas new ideas of how to sell coffee and how do you make better coffee. And the challenge is always, I guess when it comes to, if you go a little bit more in depth, it's also for me to think about how can I train up more baristas in a more efficient way because calibration of palate is always the toughest. And sometimes people go, does go off calibration after a while and how often do you have to do that? And what are other things that we have to train or like to guide our members at home ground to become better for their next role and the things like we have to spend time with them to do like for us we do like okr which is what we call objective key results so how can we help them to not just focus about coffee about your day job what else do you want to do that could benefit yourself 
that would make your life a little bit more exciting. Not necessarily it has to be work-related. So yeah, that's what we do every quarter and we do reviews in between. So yeah, so that's what I kind of do. So I kind of do like HR and sales and a bit of training. So which part of your job do you like the most? Um, I just don't like paperwork. I hate paperwork. <laughs> so like I was actually, I actually did econs in my, um, in my uni. And then like, I told myself like, there's no way, uh, I want to go into a job that has like a lot of paperwork. And I didn't want to do F&B because I did my diploma with hospitality, but I don't know what happened. I just, my first F&B, it's already a barista as a barista, is a barista. And I, when I eventually got into running my own business, I have to do tons of paperwork, which I really hate. But I always share with many of our members, if you really like something so much and you really want to do something so much, there has to be a balance of doing something that you like and you don't like, which is normal. No matter what job you go to, there will be some stuff that you don't enjoy so much. But I guess if you are as a, as a boss, <laughs> you can actually try to delegate as much as you can if you want to so yeah so um i i when i was uh, searching do my homework about you i don't know just that you said your favorite food is chinese hot pot or sichuan mm. food right mm. yes. why is that the spicy food is your favorite <laughs> why, why is that <laughs> well i guess because um i live in singapore uh it's a multiracial country and we are very lucky because it's like a business hub so you get exposure to many many different types of cuisine um yeah so for me i really like chinese food even though it's spicy uh but because spicy is a sensation it's not a taste so it doesn't affect your palate so much as long as you don't do it before drinking coffee yeah so i do enjoy spicy food and i also i basically enjoy food with a lot of spices because I think spices are what make cuisine very tasty and gives a very lingering finish and it adds complexities uh, to the food. It gives a lot of depth of flavors to food, which is why I guess that's why I enjoy. Yeah. I wasn't so drink? picky about food until okay. I started on coffee. Uh, I want to ask you, do you drink coffee when you're eating food? <laughs> like, is it possible for you to drink coffee and eating hot pot at the same time? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's going to work. Definitely not. Yeah, so I guess there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of discipline to uh, self-discipline as well. Yeah. When do you, when can you eat your favorite food and when you can't? Yeah. All right. Because I happened to me that there was a period I was obsessed with Sichuan food. I eat it every day and I realized, and I start to realize that I become less sensitive to certain flavors. And that's when I panic. And then I kind of have to reset my whole palate by going to a very, very plain diet for like, I don't know, like one to two weeks. That's how I slowly reset my palate back. And ever since then, I know that I really need um, discipline. <laughs> I need to discipline myself. Makes sense. Um, well, we all know that coffee people love to describe their coffee, um, compare them with different fruits. Let's say you have lemongrass flavor or something else. Is there any special flavor you are into so much? <laughs> yes, I like coffee that tastes like whole grapes. 
His kyogre is like one of my favorite fruit that I like. So if I were to be biased, that's definitely something that like I will, if I see that on a coffee bag, I will definitely get the coffee. Is there any, yeah. any, any coffee tastes like food? Like for example, Sichuan food. <laughs> I don't know. Have you tried Sichuan to compare food. the flavors with the food? Sichuan food, no, but I guess the closest or like the funny ones, like spices will be like cardamom, star acne and white pepper. White pepper was one of the shocking ones. I was like, this coffee tastes like white pepper. It's a bit weird. Yeah. Better pair it with some chicken, I guess. <laughs> All right, so let's t- tell us more about the coffee community in Singapore. Like you, you, you've been working in the coffee industry since twenty fifteen, many many years. How was the coffee scene was like back then? I think being a small country definitely has its own um, pros to it because we are so small. Generally, you get to know everybody. Um, whether it's the barista or the business owner or the distributors of equipments and et cetera. And it's very easy to connect with everyone because very often we host a lot of events. Um, or like um, people, everyone take turns to host different types of events, whether it's it cupping or throwdowns and et cetera. So that helps to build the connection. And everyone is very willing to share. We don't really see it more, we don't really see it as a competition but it's really very much like a community. And uh, when, say for example, I'll give one example. If let's say we want to buy a coffee from a trader and sometimes we can't, definitely can't go for a container kind of volume, right? Or even up to a pallet of like 20 bags of coffee. But with the community, usually what people do, it's like, you can get a few bags, I get a few bags and we pull together, we can come up with one shipment. And I guess that's, what makes everything beautiful. Mm. And when it comes to sharing information or like even when it comes to me going for competition at most, I actually get a lot of support. A lot of people actually volunteer and wants to help to sit in the routine to give feedbacks and et cetera. And they offer to help like, oh, I'm going to Melbourne too. Do you need any help with the luggage? Because luggage is super expensive. So yeah, I guess that's how it's like. It's only till I guess when COVID happens, Everything kind of have to be put on pause. Um, but there was a lot of COVID babies, what we call the new business. That's <laughs> when you, I didn't actually get to meet too many new people because of COVID, because there was no events and et cetera. But we are seeing a trend that like, um, a picking up of events because the ease of restrictions. Like for example, this week, this Thursday, we're actually having our Singapore Aeropress Championship. Um, I guess many of our fellow friends, whether it's it, um, from the industry or home brewer, will be attending. So I guess that's also a very good time to catch up. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Sounds great. So if we have audience going to Singapore, um, which coffee shop we have to visit, in your opinion? <laughs> um, <clears throat> there are a few on my list that I like. If you like... Um, something very uniquely to Singapore, I would say you can visit Nylon Coffee because it's underneath uh, what we call the HDB, which is our Singapore public housing. It's a very small space, um, not many shares. Um, it's like a standing standing coffee bar. You don't, There's no food, just coffee. It's really your drink and then you can leave. It's a very different kind of experience, which I haven't experienced it in any other country so far. So that's one. And uh, 
feel like um, competition level selection kind of coffees. The um, you can visit Homeground definitely is one. Um, the other one that I will say is um, Doe Coffee. They carry a huge range of competition selections. If you are into those, that's one. And if you like multi-roaster concept, um, one of my favorite is called Percolate. They don't do their own roasting. They carry roasters from everywhere around the world. I like it very much because um, the, the boss of Percolate, Evan, he's an amazing guy. One of the wisest men I've ever met in my life, particularly also um, like even about coffee or like whether is it about coffee or about business and even customer service. Every time when I visit his space, when I sit next to the cashier or the bar, it's so amazing that he can address every single one by their name when they watch, when they open the door and he knows their order. And because of that, he knows how to make better recommendation and it really gives what the customer need and want. So yeah, I think they are all great in their own ways. Hmm. Sounds really cool. It seems uh, it sounds like Evan have some kind of high tech glasses when the new customer coming in is oh I know this customer name Terry <laughs> Coffee right there so I know what he's ordering. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. Um, so audience, um, if you're going to Singapore one day, make sure you visit Hong Kong Coffee and try their. What is your favorite coffee recommendation? Well, I don't have a favorite because I always believe like the best way to make a recommendation is to first understand what the customer wants and needs. So that will always start. So we have this item called surprise. If you are ever in home ground, you can actually order surprise. And we usually pop a few, yeah, we pop a few questions. And based on your answer, you will not find out what the coffee is until we serve it to you. So say, of course, you are asked questions like, are you lactose intolerant? Um, do you want to have something cold or hot? What is your usual go-to in other cafes? Or like, are you a adventurous person? So it really depends on um, how the customer reply and how they respond. Are they a very enthusiastic person? Or you could tell that they are definitely a coffee geek. And that's how we actually surprise the drink. Yeah, wow, that's how that's we a awesome idea. Did you invent this idea? Yeah. So, so far it's very well received. Usually it also helps to spark a conversation when you serve the coffee. They'll be like, oh, of course there are times that whereby customers just like, hmm, this is not what I expect it to be, but I don't mind having a coffee like this again. And I guess this helps to open up the perception or rather break the stereotype of how certain coffee should always taste like. Awesome. So make sure guys to order a surprise. I hope that you can find that <laughs> on your menu, right? <laughs> yes, it's still on the menu. Great, thank you. So yeah. what last question, what is your um, number one advice for all baristas who are listening to this episode? Mm, number one advice. Well, barista jobs can be very mundane and I totally understand that. I've been through that, like pulling shots, um, brewing coffee every single day and sometimes you have to tolerate not so nice customers um, it can be very demoralizing and how I actually motivate and drive myself was actually through competitions to be very honest the every time when I join competition the reason is very different and I guess for my very first two competition was because I start to feel 
a little bit bored. And I think that's okay. Um, and why I feel that competition is a good platform because it really pushes you to explore coffee in a very different perspective. And it helps you to build not just your coffee knowledge, but your bond between you and your other teammates who are helping you out for the competition. And it is true that what makes people stay, it's really the people that you work with. So competition not makes a mundane job exciting again. And after competition with whatever that you have learned, you can actually apply them to day-to-day job. So that's how I will approach my competition. It's not something that I f- would do um, during only during competition, but not to my day-to-day blue shifts. So yeah, if you ever feel demoralized, I feel that competition can be a very good platform and spark the interest in you again. And it's a good reminder of like, why do you actually pick Barista as your career? Thanks for tuning in to this I'm Not A Barista episode. Subscribe to this podcast and follow us on Instagram at I Am Not A Barista for more empowering vibes and true coffee stories that connect you with coffee lovers around the world. You're a part of our global community where we celebrate baristas and their craft in everything that we do. Thank you.